podcast i turned it on before i was close to the microphone so that's why you heard me come in with a little bit of action (laughs) what's going on peeps i'm chilling here in sunny california i got chaplin on my laplin i got carlin to my left and we're straight chilling y'all we are straight chilling on this beautiful what day is it thursday march 24th that's where we're at in our lives Welcome. Let me tell you where I'm going to be. Jessie Mae Peluso brings her brand of comedy to you live, just like those lobsters in the uh, in the aquarium thing when you go to seafood. It's kind of the same thing. Stand-up comedy is not too different. You're on display, and then people devour you, and then your soul escapes your body. That's Stand-up comedy is just like the red lobster lobsters they have on display. <laughs> I am going to be March 31st, April 1st, and April 2nd at Good Nights in Raleigh, North Kakalaki. That's North Carolina for all of you who don't know the lingo. March 31st through April 2nd, Good Nights in Raleigh, North Carolina. April 8th through the 10th, I'm in Cincinnati, Ohio at the Funny Bone. April 8th through the 10th at the Cincinnati Funny Bone in Ohio. April 21st through the 24th, I'm at Comedy Off-Broadway in Lexington, Kentucky gonna get fucky in kentucky y'all good nights raleigh north carolina march 31st april 2nd cincinnati ohio at the funny bone march or sorry april 8th the 10th and then april 21st to the 24th at the comedy off broadway in lexington kentucky fucky fucky sucky sucky tucky tucky oh you want the fucky fucky you want the sucky sucky i do you want the touchy touchy (laughs) chaplain's looking at me like this bitch has to get her life together. <laughs> I got my carpets clean today, and I'm not talking about my puss. I'm talking about my actual apartment. And um, I don't know if you if you go to Snapchat within 24 hours. I took a little video of my carpet cleaner boy. He was so adorable, and he had his butt crack hanging out. And I took a little Snapchat of him because that's the generation we're in. There's you know nothing sacred, and you're never safe, especially if you come over to a single girl's house. And I'm stuck on a bed because you're busy washing my carpets, not the ones that I really want you to wash because I'm not sure if you're 21 or not. I don't even know what the legal age of consent is, but I want to be real sure. So I'm going to overshoot it a little bit. Uh, Yeah, so my carpets are all cleaned. I'm excited about that. Um, I do want to give a RIP awareness to Gary Shandling, who passed away last night. He had a heart attack. I believe he passed away in the middle of making a 911 call. And that's terrible for those of you who are unfamiliar with Gary Shandling. He is a legendary comedian who's been around forever and is responsible for a lot of comedians' careers uh, today. And he was an amazing stand-up comic and um, just a brilliant mind. So look him up if you're not familiar with him. It's a good thing. A lot of these people become well-known posthumously. And uh, I think that's the dope thing about this generation. The not-so-dope thing about this generation is people like me that take videos while you're just working and trying to wash carpets. Um, I was in Zany's Nashville last weekend with my, my gaby, one of my gabies, Justin Martindale. We were at the Zany's in Nashville. And one thing that we did that was so much fun, we went to this place called Play, which was a drag 
show. It's a club, but it also turns into, they have a drag show, I think, Thursday, Friday, and Saturdays. If you haven't been to a drag show, go to a drag show. If you're judgmental, still go to a drag show and just keep your mouth shut. It's amazing. It, it made me think of jokes because I realized that going to a drag show, if you don't know what a drag queen is, RuPaul, drag queen. Drag queen is basically a gay guy that dresses up in drag. And it's it's a total art form. Um, it's, it's very similar to comedy. It's a performance. It's satirical. It's, um, you know, a lot of them do impressions. They do skits. It's just so much fucking fun. You must go. And I learned how to be a confident woman by watching a man dressed as one. And that does something to your psyche because a lot, a majority of them have their nuts tapped up and taped up into in between their buttholes. You know, they got their, their dick taped up, taped up in their taint and, and they're still more confident than me on, on my best day. <laughs> Maybe the key is to tape your dick inside your taint hole. Well, your taint hole doesn't have a hole, but your taint leads to your butthole. This is turning into an awkward science class. <laughs> this is talking, turning into an awkward anatomy course. Um, uh, it was just so much fun. Did I say the name of the club? It's Play. And one of my favorite drag queens there was a friend of Justin's. Her name was Aurora Sexton. Look her up. You can find her on Instagram. She's so much damn fun. I uh, She came out on stage singing that Ariana Grande song. I don't even know if that's Ariana Grande. It could be Selena Gomez. They all blend into one twat shape in in my mind i have no idea taylor swift selena gomez and ariana grande could be the same person for all i know but it, she came out singing that song with contour and lashes for days and i felt my vagina get mad at me <laughs> i felt my tits get mad at me oh wait my dad's calling let's put him on hold on my dad's calling we'll get back to the tits dad what are you doing I'm t I'm taping my podcast. What are you doing? <laughs> Just got home a little while ago. You, you, did you go to the bar? I went to the bar. Frank is smashed. Frank is smashed. Did you do some drinking? A little bit. A little bit. Not much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what did you have to drink? What was your drink of choice today? A uh, craft beer. A craft beer? Draft. 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 Oh, draft. Like a Bud Light? Doesn't that give you gas? That's a... Uh, Coors Light, you think? Dad, that's piss. That's 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 hillbilly piss. <laughs> is Peter there? No, he's he's at the beach. What do you mean he's at the beach? He's a, he's at the beach. He went for a walk to the beach. Oh, I went for a walk to the beach. Okay. Dad, I was looking at dogs for you today. You want a dog? You're gonna get a, you're gonna get a dog. Yeah, I think you need a little friend, something to snuggle, and you know, I don't know if hookers <laughs> do hookers let you snuggle. <laughs> Have you ever gotten a hooker, Dad? Hooker? Yeah, you know, no, prostitute. Never, 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 never. You sound you sound like you're compensating. No, I no, I'm not compensating. I was never had to worry about that. Whoa, coming with the confidence. Whoa, we got this smash. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you never had to worry about that. First night. Whoa, mom put out on the first night of you meeting her. First night. <laughs> Jeez. Joan was first night. <laughs> wow, you got the Italian sausage. Were you just laid on the table for him? <laughs> oh, my God. 
what was your move? What what's your like? What was your? How did you get the them to be so slutty with you? Well, <laughs> <laughs> they just like me, you know. It's almost at my I they turned my chairman. <laughs> turned my chairman. They just succumbed to my to my wiles. To your wilds? My wilds. You know, my passionate wilds. Oh, Dad. Now I just threw up in my mouth. Uh, I got to go, babe. Where you got to go? I want to bed. Tired. Dad, it's nine. Where? What time is it in the East Coast? Eight. Oh, man. Make sure you drink some water. Will you drink some water? Did you get your proctology I'll appointment? Water. I'll drink some water. Did you go to the proctologist? Yeah, he stuck the thing up my ass. Yes. <laughs> Is your colon okay? <laughs> I'm seriously asking you about your your health. No, he, he said you have a wonderful asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Clean, there's nothing in there. Ah, uh, Dad. We'll live for at least we'll live for another ten years, maybe. You think so? I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. So when I adopt my llama children, you can be the llama grandfather because I'm never having kids. I would love to get a dog. I really would. Okay, so I'll look into a couple for you. Do you want a female or male? Uh, female. Female. And how how big? What what's the weight limit? Like twenty. Well, like twenty no, pounds. Not like not, not like the moose. Like. Not like Carlin, too big. So like between no, Chaplin no, and. Too big. Half half size of Carlin. So thirty pounds and low. Yeah, that's good. Okay, and in a calm temperament. Can't better be calm. Okay, so I think what we've narrowed it down to is a dead eighty-year-old woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I need. With a lot of insurance. <laughs> I think we've narrowed your lap pet down to someone's grandma that kicked the bucket. <laughs> I, I can, as long as I collect insurance. Okay, good. I'll I'll see if Wolf Rescue has anybody. <laughs> oh my God! All right, babe. All right, I love you, Pop. I love you. I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll okay. Call you tomorrow when I'm sober. Oh, right. Okay, great. Right. <laughs> Bye. That's hilarious. You know, it's so funny, uh, guys, because I was thinking, like, I would love to just interview. I would love to if my dad called, like, out of the blue, and I got to put him on the podcast, and it ended up happening. <laughs> and that, by the way, is how we talk on the phone. Like, you know, I, I goof him. I, I egg him on a little bit because I know what gets him going and how to razzle him. But that, that's how we talk to each other, and that's how we've always talked to each other. I should have asked my dad if he's ever been to a drag show. But yeah, you got to check this place out. Go to play in, in Nashville. And one thing that was hilarious is Justin and I had partied on Friday night and then we're a little hungover on Saturday. We went out Saturday again and we walk in. I'm like, we're going to take it easy. We're not going to drink a lot. We're going to be adults. We have to stop this ma- maniacal behavior. And I go up to the bar and I'm like, Justin, we're taking it easy. And the bartender goes, what do you guys want? And I was like, I'll have an IPA, a shot of Jack, a shot of tequila and Bailey's on the rocks. And Justin's like, well, uh, this one says taking it easy. So much for taking it easy. I ordered a, a drinks like, like it was a Gary Busey starter kit. <laughs> like it was a Mickey Rorick at-home starter kit. That's what those drinks indicate. Justin's like, take it easy? Okay, this one. This one wants to take it easy. And the funniest part is they were all offended by my Baileys on the rocks. Yeah. 
I drink Bailey's on the rocks. Actually, I don't drink Bailey's on the rocks, but I turned into a 90-year-old on Saturday night, and I had seven Bailey's on the rocks, and it was delicious. My intestines hated me the next day, but fuck it. Um, Go to this place. It's amazing. Um, Justin ghosted me one night. Just left. Irish exit. Bye. And I'm just in a room you know, dry humping drag queens doing all sorts of choreography. I'm like, where's Justin? Oh, he's gone. Okay. And then I went home and fell asleep on a cheeseburger. So dreams do come true. (laughs) I, uh, we got our nails done. Thank you to Simba and Sandy at LA nails on Charlotte Ave in Nashville. They did our nails for us. And Justin had never had a manicure before. And, you know, they take like this cheese grater thing and they, and they exfoliate the bottom of your foot and they get all the dead skin off. And, you know, I get pedicures probably once a month. I take care of my feet cause I'm a grown ass woman. And, you know, I've always dreamed of being on Wikipedia and I am on Wikipedia FYI. And it's a joke that I always dreamt of being on there, uh, kind of a joke, but I ended up being on there and it's weird and disgusting and I feel honored and I hope they send me a statue or a trophy or something I can put next to my bed, next to my bed so I can look at it every night. Anyways. So Justin had never gotten a pedicure before. And as he's getting, you know, his foot is being cheese grated and it sounded like this woman was building a fucking tree house. It was like, <laughs> and Justin was like, ha, ha, ha. he couldn't handle it he just couldn't handle it he just was like he just sounded like he was you know getting a little tickle tickle a little pickle tickle that's what it sounded like he couldn't handle it but it was so fun it was and then it had a little cupcake for him because it was his birthday so thank you to Simba and Sandy I know those are your nail tech names. I know those are not your real Vietnamese names. And I feel shorted that you didn't give me your real names. But it's okay. I'll take the Simba and Sandy nail tech names. Okay. Um, I had a great night last night. I got to tell you that. I went to the comedy store. I worked on Nick Youssef's new material show where you do all new material. And it felt good. I have to say it felt pretty damn good. um, Because I'm used to being on the road and doing stuff that I know works. So it felt great to take a risk and to know that my new jokes don't suck and that they're going to end up being added into the headlining set. So I feel good about that. A thank you to Nick Youssef, who's going to be on the podcast soon. I also did The Laugh Factory. I ended up hanging out with... Um, I saw Adam Ray at the Comedy Store. He's one of my good friends. He's been on the podcast. He also has a great podcast called About Last Night, so you got to check it out. Um, and then at Laugh Factory, I did my friend John Camp- Campanelli's show, and I reconnected with... Josh Wolf, who's a good friend of mine who's been on this podcast, and Dom Irera, who you guys have heard on this podcast. So it just felt good to come home off the road and work on new jokes, have my friends, you know, we're just bouncing ideas off of each other. That's how you work as a comedian. You, you go and you do some sets and then you talk shop with your comedian friends. And Dom Irera is a legend, so it's always so good to see him. Josh Wolf was working on a new joke that was hilarious, so I had a damn good time. And then today I walked my dogs and got yelled at by a Mexican gardener. I did. Yep. True story. I was walking my dogs. It was a little hot out. And this is one thing about LA. There's a water shortage. Okay. These entitled people have been yelled at by saying white people. They say just say it entitled. Okay. I'll say entitled people. Um, disregard the shortage. It's real. But these entitled people just insist on washing off their sidewalks. The fuck are we doing? These two Mexican gardeners were washing off sidewalks and driveways. 
what, what, what are you kidding me? You're just letting the water go to waste. And so I stopped because Carlin was hot and he was licking the ground and Chaplin was licking the ground because the water was accumulating a little bit. And I'm just standing there and I started talking to one of the, the workers and the other worker goes, don't interrupt him. He is working. And I was like, what? He goes, don't interrupt him. You need to take your dogs and go. And I was like, I'm just trying to get some water, man. Why are you watering streets? Why, why are you washing off a sidewalk? What is this? Fucking 80s? You working on Wall Street? Hitting it big? It's a goddamn water shortage. And it's not their fault. That's what the, the entitled motherfuckers on the inside of the big ass house is telling them to do. They're just earning an honest dollar. They're the most honest people in this whole equation. Those entitled motherfuckers are sitting inside their house watering their, their, their goddamn driveway. What, so their Audi has a clean floor? Suck a dick. Suck a dick. Okay? I don't understand this water shortage and I drive by graveyards and the lawn is lush. You know how perplexing that is? Everything's dead. Everyone's dead in the graveyard. What do we care if the if the lawn is watered? Do you think Nana's down in the coffin? Like, I really wish they manicure this lawn. No. You know why? Because she's dead. Her teeth are all that's left, and a beetle has crawled out of her mouth hole. Probably right through her rib cage too, because her skin is probably deteriorated at this point. Okay, I took it a little too far at that. I took it a little too far. I'm sorry. I I, I retract that. <laughs> oh my god. So much fun. I um. I'm excited. Tonight, I'm going to go see Dave Chappelle. He's at the Palladium in L.A. I'm going with my girl, Laura Murphy, who's also been on the podcast. I keep my circle tight. Um, I'm very, very excited to go see him. He is a legend. Again, if you don't know who Dave Chappelle is, uh, what the fuck? But it's okay. I'm not going to fault you. Just please go check him out immediately. Uh, I'm very excited to have a friend date tonight. I'm going to go out and do that with my girl. So this week I decided to shift gears a little bit with my interview and I decided to interview somebody who I discovered through a friend who is not a comedian. He is a a, a brilliant mind. I mean, he went to MIT and Harvard simultaneously, which is just, I mean... I can't, I can't understand that. Can your brain wrap around that? He is a, a brilliant composer. He is just a brilliant mind. And his energy is so soft and he's funny. And when, when we met, we just hit it off. And I was like, I got to podcast this dude because his, his story is interesting. His work is interesting. His brain is interesting. And it's a, it's a deviation from the regular comedy guest. So I'm bringing him to you. I'm bringing him to you live and in charge. And this was recorded in Boston, Massachusetts over Valentine's day weekend. Please look him up. I hope you enjoy my interview with Jose Elizondo. Cause I just want to look Okay, we're here. We're live. We're in the Hilton, not Hilton. Where are we? Weston. Oh, the Weston. We're in the Weston Hotel in fucking freezing Boston. <laughs> it's so cold. It is. How long have you lived here? Uh, close to, I don't know, 24 years now. 24 years in that? Boston? Yeah. How does that, like, it's almost, uh, you look back at time and you're like, where the hell does it go? Do you ever yeah. think that, like, you've lived here two and a half decades? I know. 
I have know, you loved it? I mean, I, I have. I mean, there, like in everything, you know, there's like highs and lows, but it is a wonderful place. I fell in love with it right away. Um, it's such a uh, stimulating city in, intellectually and in so many other ways. Um, it's a transitional city, which is good and bad. Right, you get people from all over the world, and you know, every so often, you know, they, they finish school or they, you know, transition to another part of their job or something, and so you get a new batch. Yeah. So there's always constant new energy and excitement about the, you know, the things that people are doing. But on the other hand, you know, of course, uh, it, it would be nice to have friends that stay, uh, you know, for the longer <laughs> time and all that. I never so, thought about that because yeah. it was a transitional city for me. I was here, mm-hmm. I came in, and then I left for like four years. Mm-hmm. I was in and out, it, but it it was such a rich experience being here for yeah. four years because, like you said, there's so much stimulation, and I feel like the overall mentality of the people that live in Boston is so sophisticated, and yes. there's such a, an enlightenment amongst the general population. Don't you think so? Uh, yeah, I, I have found that myself too. Basically, it's not difficult to find people who will have something interesting to say yeah. or that are working on something exciting or new or, you know, it's it's a great city for that and also a great city for the arts too. It's a right. wonderful yeah. city for the arts. And where are you, you from originally? Oh, you had to ask. Yes. <laughs> the, the city with I the hear a slight accent. It's a city with the best name ever. Is Me- the, city of, the city of Chihuahua. <gasps> Can you believe that? I ha- I've always <laughs> had Chihuahuas. Are Chihuahuas from Chihuahua? We will deny it forever. Is and it the ever, dumbest white girl question ever? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I think, uh, you know, if they are, we will continue to deny it. You but, will? But maybe they are. I don't know. It, it's just. Uh, You're known for Chihuahua cheese? Do those co- does Chihuahua it cheese does come, not from come from? Okay. The no, 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 no. <laughs> I was no, like, no. how do they get the cheese out of the Chihuahuas? Exactly. Yeah. So you're from Chihuahua, Mexico. I am. That's that's insane. It is a little bit insane. And, indeed. and how long were you there? What I age lived did you there leave? until I was 17, and that's when I moved to Boston. Yeah. Wow. So you went right from Chihuahua, Mexico to that must have been an extreme culture shock for you. It was. Yeah. Definitely. What were the biggest struggles like coming here from from Mexico? Well, I wouldn't call them strolls. I, I think it's, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity. I was very excited. I was very, uh, you know, I, I wasn't prepared for what, <laughs> what I found, but um, I was very open to, to a new start, a fresh start, a new life. Um, my language skills weren't the greatest. <laughs> Mine still aren't. <laughs> I struggle. <laughs> no, so, I mean, there was a little bit of that and just, uh, you know, I guess that the last movie that I watched before coming here was Dead Poet Society. And so I was expecting... That's beautiful. It's a phenomenal movie. I loved it and I was very inspired, but that's what I was expecting. And then I get to MIT and I see <laughs> you know, some of the students and the labs and all of that. And I'm like, where's Robin Williams? Where are <laughs> all those suits and you know, all those uh, green fields and all those beautiful yeah. sunsets? You know, <laughs> What a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> and we can still ask where Robin Williams is because he's gone. Oh my God. Isn't that terrible? What a man. What, what a wonderful yeah. man. What an artist. What yeah. do you think about that? Like, Because now we know that he took his life because he knew he was sick. And I think if that, I, I probably would have done the same thing. I know it sounds harsh, but you got to understand people don't want to go. They want to yes. have control over the way they go. It's very difficult to speak for somebody else, of course. Yeah. Um, but I, I know that for me, I would also not want to be in a prolonged illness yeah. that just, you know, sort of like makes you fade away. But in his case, it's particularly sad because... He was such a loyal friend, among other people, to like Christopher Reeve yep. when he had his big accident. And so to know that he gave so much love and so much support, uh, you just hope that, you know, he had 
felt that, and maybe he did, but um, yeah. I mean, again, I cannot That's so I, sad. I don't really know, but yeah, a, a, a wonderful man and a great loss. He was one of my biggest, I think, comedic inspirations mm -hmm. when I think about growing up and yeah. in that sort of, his performances were so alive. Mm -hmm. Each performance was so different for me. So as a kid, I was like, I, there's no rules to what he did. It yeah. was so magnificent and yeah. it was like magic on stage for me to mm -hmm. watch that as a kid. But for you, like, what were your inspirations? Because now... Mm -hmm. We'll get into all of what you sure. do because your life is there's so many layers to you. And I just <laughs> met you, and I'm like, I'm like an onion. You are. I'm I was just kidding. gonna say that. Aww. I was gonna say Sorry. I want to peel you like an onion. But for you, like, mm -hmm. why did you come to Boston, and what were your inspirations to get you into the careers that you fell into or chose? Yeah, it's it. It was a little bit of a strange path. So. I come from a family that is not the standard family that produces people who come to Boston to study <laughs> at the universities <laughs> that I did. Um, my parents, you know, wonderful people in their own, uh, you know, very individual way. My my father comes from a, a family of agriculture, and his father was, uh, I think, a tomato grower and also a faith healer of all things. Wow. Yeah, and then my mother... Like, an, like a shaman of sorts? Sort of, yeah. Kind of I like mean, that? And, and then my mother came from a family of minors, and um, neither of them actually finished elementary school. They, they're, I mean, they're very smart, but, um, you know, more like, you know, from life experience like, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, life education. Um, and so, you know, usually, you know, you, you imagine, okay, so if you make it to the big universities and all of that, you know, your parents must have, you know, given you the academic support and all of that. And, and of course, they provided, the, you know, a different type of support. It was inspiration. It was vision. Um, but I really, um, I really wanted to be able to to be at a at a great institution where I could, you know, study the the, the things that I was interested in. Um, I wanted to have, uh, you know, experience that would broaden my horizons in a more international way. Um, I had been very lucky to start that path through music because I I was participating in national and international competitions that at a young age. Uh, yeah, since I was five, and and basically. My context from, you know, the small city where I come from in Mexico um, was challenged, you know, from a very early age. Yeah, I'm sure. And my eyes were open to, okay, there's more, you know, about the world that you want to learn, that you want to explore. And that helped me to sort of like, you know, uh, figure out ways to, to, to build a curriculum that would allow me to have those opportunities. That's so yeah. wild. And, and anyone else in your family, did anyone else sort of have, because I come from the same thing where mm -hmm. I am one of the only people that found this mm -hmm. career in an art. Mm -hmm. Nobody else had it. So I kind of stumbled mm -hmm. upon it myself. So anybody mm -hmm. else in your family or was it just something that inside of you that, was, that set you apart from mm -hmm. your it, family? That's a great question. It's it's very difficult to generalize out my family. It's a really large family. Yeah. My, my father had, um, <laughs> had, had... Your face is making me yeah, laugh. Yeah, well, he had six families at the same time. Wow! Um, we won't go into the details here. It was like a soap <laughs> opera, but in any ah. case, so to speak broadly about them would be a little bit... Uh, Christmas was expensive for him. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. But in any case, the thing is... Um, you know, they, they all chose, of course, different paths. But uh, the ones that I grew up with, you know, many of them were part of my business, as of my father's business. They they also, you know, went of into agriculture, agriculture and yep. all of that. And so, yeah, it was it was mostly at the national level or at a regional level right. in Mexico. Um, my closest sister, the only sister that I have from both of my parents, 
was the one who basically effectively was my 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 teacher and I learned you know how to play the the piano from her oh, and she was musical as well yeah she was musical she was very talented and um she's the one that had a similar vision right um in her case uh she decided to stay in Mexico and uh, so our paths became very different afterwards after university um, but yeah, the, the, during my formative years, she was my role model. That's for nice sure. to have family yeah. teach you. You know, my sister yeah. and I were you know punching each other in the back. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that contributed to me being funny, <laughs> or at least knowing how to like fight off a heckler in an audience. <laughs> exactly. But that's a very very important skill. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it. You'll see tonight okay. what I mean. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to it. And so you started music so young, and, yes. and you're you're gaining experience as a child. To me, that's mm-hmm. so fascinating mm-hmm. because it really shows that you have this natural uh, inclination to music well probably i think it was also a defense mechanism there was a lot Why of do you uh, say that? um well there were a lot of uh, challenging situations you know family and otherwise um you know bullying at school and all sorts of other things i don't want to necessarily get yeah. into that but um it was for me the place where i could disappear and sort of like you know uh, traveled in my head to a a different universe that was you know kinder gentler and that uh, you know allowed me to basically dream and and like you know have a a broader vision so that's that was school and that was uh, you know music uh, to me and I think that's also why uh, you know I was so dedicated to it um, and was able to again you know, sort of like eventually build the, the curriculum that allowed me to, to, to leave that context and start a new life from scratch here in Boston. That's so, and yeah. that, that's how you, so did you go, f- at 17 you came here, and yeah. what school, I mean, <laughs> you went to like two of the most prestigious, prestigious cool schools, I can't even say it. <laughs> I was very blessed. You were very blessed, and so yeah. what school did you start first, and mm-hmm. d- was it simultaneously, and uh-huh. how did, th- it's just, it's so fascinating to me. Yeah, so, uh, well, thank you. It's, it, I mean, I, I didn't really know where I wanted to go when I was in Mexico. I just knew that I wanted to go somewhere where I would have more opportunities and somewhere where my interest in music and science and mathematics and all of that would would be an asset rather than a, a liability in right. a sense. And so, um, you know, with one of my friends in Mexico who facilitated a lot of the process because he would like allow me to to go with him to El Paso, Texas, which is it was close to where I live, yeah. to take the SATs and all these things that otherwise I wouldn't have been able to to do logistically on my own. Um, we both applied to like the top ten universities that, for that year in in the U.S. And I like uh, that aggressive ambition. <laughs> You're like, you know what? If I'm going to go in, I'm going hard. Well, I think <laughs> it was a little bit accidental, too, because some of them I had never really heard about them. But <laughs> I'm like, why not? You know, what do I have not? to lose? So, um, yeah, I, I was very lucky. I was admitted at most of them. And I, you know, decided to come to Boston because the city itself was already quite exciting. And also because my two favorite universities were there. So I started at MIT. I was doing electrical engineering and computer science. Um, and then when I started to also look into their, their music program and, and, you know, what I could, how I could bring back music into my life, right. which was very important. Um, I learned that they had this cross-registration program with Harvard. And so I ended up 
um, you know, doing a lot of uh, a, a lot of my music education, you know, at MIT and Harvard, and and having that dual experience, which was really wonderful, and it's one of the things that I that I remember as like the the, the best times during my my university years. That's Harvard <laughs> and MIT simultaneously, like dual education. Most when I think of dual, I think of just like a, a porno star getting DP'd. <laughs> and your your brain is being DP'd by two of the greatest oh institutions. <laughs> I've never heard it put that way exactly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that's kind of what you got. And you got, I mean, <laughs> I always have to equate it to something like that because it's my, okay. that's where my brain, that's where my brain goes. No, 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 it's the, the mathematics of my brain are a little more salacious. <laughs> <laughs> there's, you know, I'm sure there's science to it somehow, but <laughs> I just go. think that's so, that must have been so difficult. It was a challenge. I mean, there wasn't a lot of sleeping going on, let's just say. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, again, I was really determined to be able to stay in this wonderful country. And the engineering was going to provide me with that that possibility in terms of, you know, being able to get a work visa, again, being able to get a job right. that would allow me to support myself and all of that. And, you know, of course, the, the music was the dream. But as, as you know, like, you know, the artists... It's you have to fight really hard. You, know, you to do. Be able it's to competitive. Do it. Absolutely. And so I was, I was very lucky to have both of those things. So it, it, you know, in times, especially later on when I had some some medical challenges and whatnot, um, I was able to rely on the engineering to pull me through like some of the periods right. where the, the 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 music alone wouldn't have necessarily, in my case, been ha- right. been sufficient. But it was it was great to have that as an inspiration and to have that as the other thing to look forward to. <laughs> Engineering and, and, and music. It, how do you feel? Do you feel like those two things, do they correlate? Does one help the other? Because music is very mathematical, is it not? I mean, yeah, especially I composing. So. Um, yeah, and it depends on which composer too. But if you look at somebody like Bach or, you know, composers that, um, that have music that is very complex and that is very, uh, like, carefully crafted, you know, Brahms, Mendelssohn, uh, Bach, Definitely, you can see there's patterns, there's a lot of uh, mathematical ways in which the music has to um, fit together in, in, when you're you know, crafting a new composition. I wouldn't claim that my music works that way. My music is way simpler. Um, it's more of an intuitive music that, that stems out of uh, folk traditions and all of that. Yeah. But um, yeah, you're right. There is definitely a correlation, and I have been very blessed to meet a lot of uh, engineers and scientists who were also wonderful musicians, and vice versa. So it is. Yeah. There's sort of a common thing there with those two I, degrees. I think so. I, again, I don't know, you know, specifically yeah. if there's any studies about it, but it seems to me that way. <laughs> it does. It does seem like those two mm. things fit. Now, for you, yeah. comp- when you, how do you even begin to compose? Mm-hmm. Uh, music like what co- is there a pattern for you like when you're no. composing something is there something that comes to you and inspires you or is it eating delicious food in Vienna and you're just like oh, I oh, gotta yeah. I do that every weekend <laughs> and hope for the piece to come no no I wish Eat some stromboli in the in, in the north end of Boston <laughs> exactly. you're like listen it's coming to me <laughs> it's actually just writing the MBTA and just listening to the Boston accent <laughs> No, no. Um, <laughs> that guy at the restaurant today, just <laughs> listening to that Boston accent. That was great. <laughs> no, no. I think uh, every every piece has been a, a different journey. Some of them have been 
uh, moments of inspiration where I just felt very connected to what what I wanted to to say. Like it was, for example, one one of the pieces was written um, when the the first child of one of my best friends was born, and I just felt an emotional connection. Uh, in other cases, it has been a more technical process where I know that I need to create a, a, a composition with particular constraints. Right. And so I start to basically uh, lay out what are the the requirements, so to speak, and the, the structural elements that I want to have in the piece. And then I allow the, the, the instinctive uh, piece to come into play on top of those constraints to come up with the melodies and all of that but it's never the same it, it always sometimes it may be listening to to other music sometimes it may just be again the, the more mathematical process um i wish i knew i i guess if i knew That's what the, the process is yeah and maybe i would be able to write more if i <laughs> if i knew what the process is but it sounds <laughs> like the way when you were just describing sure. that it sounds like you're building a house yeah. Like your the technical stuff is the foundation and the mm -hmm. instinctive stuff is like the decorating of it. Yeah. Well, uh, again, it depends on on your style and what composer, but I would say Well, when com I compose music, okay, there you go. it comes out of my butt. <laughs> I play the oh, butt trumpet. <laughs> That's the only music I can do. I'm oh, not talented on. like that. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> you have so many talents. <laughs> so, um again, I have to say um it, it depends on the, the piece, it depends on, on the composer. Um, sometimes it's all about the emotion and yeah. the instinct, sometimes it's more about the structure, but it's good to have like the different tools in your palette totally. to be able to, to do it differently. It makes you more dynamic and you're able to access different parts of your brain to exactly. accomplish I different agree. compositions. And mm -hmm. that brings me to my next thing. Sure. Tell me about Yo-Yo Ma, yo. Oh, yes. That's so exciting. It's so exciting. Is Absolutely. that like a big thing? I mean, I'm sure it's a big thing for you. It but is a very big thing for me. Um, I do you mind if I go back a little bit in yeah. time to set it up? Please okay. do. Take us there. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> do I need to buy a ticket for the rider? No, no. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, the thing is that the, the this particular experience came into my life through a gentleman of the name uh, Carlos Prieto. Um, he happens to be an MIT alum um, uh, and also the most legendary musician in Latin America. Um, he was so he was educated at MIT, but he had been doing music since he was four, and eventually he basically decided to devote his life to music after you know doing also being very successful with with uh, his uh, business and and with his uh, science in Mexico, and he ended up basically uh, not only becoming one of the top performers in the world and and uh, having compositions uh, written for him by some of the most remarkable names in, in music history in the 20th century, but he also became the biggest mecenas and supporter of talent in Latin America. What's a mecenas? It's um, a guy who basically commissions composers to write new pieces. Wow. Back in the day, you know, it would have been somebody like, you know, for example, the person that Mozart would get asked to write a piece for like a king or whoever, right? right? It, in, in modern times, it's more private individual or sometimes it's at universities or institutions, this gentleman ha has the, the desire and the means to be able to support you know, talent through all of Latin America. And also he has rescued a lot of unpublished works by some of the Latin American artists. That's that, amazing. Yeah, a great guy. And so he was my hero since I was a child. I, I knew that he was coming to give a concert at MIT. So I show up and I'm like, you know, the crazy fan. <laughs> hey, Mr. Pietro, could you please sign an autograph? I was so excited. 
So I go to him and ask him for that, and he's like, sure, who do I make it to? And I gave him my name, and he's like, oh, Jose Elizondo, yeah, uh, you know, your teacher was talking to, uh, to me about you uh, last night, and I'm like, oh my God, that must right? have, I, I, like, I'm excited. It, that must have been amazing. Yeah, it blew my mind. And so he's like, you know, come tomorrow, have lunch with me, and we'll chat. Oh my God. I couldn't believe, you know, that this was happening, so I show up, and he basically says, I would love to commission a piece, uh, you know, uh, for two cellos that I intend to perform with Yo-Yo Ma. This was many years ago. So, you know, to make the story short, I wrote the piece. You don't have to make it short. You can tell uh, okay. it. Yeah, we got time. That particular concert did not take place, but he did perform it with several other extraordinary cellists. And it was a, a wonderful experience. And eventually this piece became quite uh, one of the most popular ones in my repertoire. Um, and was How this one of the first big, big moments for you? It was the first commission I, I received after my, my big first performance. And uh, so it was, it was great. It was amazing. It was inspirational. He was, again, you know, my biggest hero growing up. And uh, it didn't hurt that he was also playing this music in his amazing Stradivarius cello. Like, oh you know, how many God. people have that experience, right? But in any case, um, the yo concert did not happen at the time. And so I always had this, this desire, you know, like, oh, you know. I, was it I like a longing it, because it yes. was just, you could just grab it? Yes, yeah. it was there. And of course, you know, even like, you know, some of the, the, the established composers would love to have that opportunity. And for me, I'm not like an established composer in the same way because uh, my life is, you know, straddles two, two domains, right? Yes. The engineering and the music. And so in any case, a few weeks ago, I open my email and I see a, an email from Mr. Prieto saying, by the way, we, you know, I performed your composition again and it was a, you know, a great success, blah, blah. And of course I was already filled with joy. And then he's like, oh, and by the way, the other cellist was Yo-Yo Ma. And I'm like, oh my God, this is you know, my dream. That's insane. He's one, he's one of the most, I mean, with me, I'm, I know music because of friends, mm -hmm. but I know Yo-Yo Ma. So that's how he transcends just he that. Does. He, he goes into, he's like pop culture. He is an icon. He is a, a wonderful human being. He's just an amazing person, an artist. And so I just, you know, had my dream come true. And I, I couldn't have been happier. I was screaming like a 15-year-old <laughs> at a, you know, Justin Bieber concert or something. That's so cool. It was amazing. And and then he gave me a call. and Yo-Yo Ma called you? Uh, no, Mr. I Prieto. was about to say. And he gives me this, uh, you know, the, the wonderful news. And it was just a really fantastic experience. So... Um, yeah, that, that's that's one of my favorite recent stories and just one of the many like random directions in which uh, music has taken me and very unexpected experiences. I mean, I wasn't even meant to be a composer originally. I, my what were you meant to be? Like what? Uh, well, fr from age five, I, I wanted to be a performer. I did a lot of you know competitions and recitals and concerts and all of that. And when I came to MIT, I, you know, injured my hands, uh, you know, repetitive stress and tendonitis and all these things because of the computer use. And piano is your, your, your source, right? Piano, piano is and a, pipe organ. the foundation. Yeah. And so at the time I thought, you know, this is it. You know, I'm not going to be able to continue. And so as a consolation prize, so to speak, that's when I started to, to go into like more music theory, more music history, composition. I didn't realize that, you know, there was going to be much of a future for me there. And then I, you know, I was blessed with this wonderful professor, Professor Peter Child at MIT, who had me write a piece that connected with my roots. And this was this Estampas Mexicanas. I was just going to say, I want to hear about <laughs> Estampas Mexicanas. First of all, I know mm -hmm. it doesn't mean Mexican stamps. Mexican vignettes. Vignettes. Okay, yeah. I'm like, I would love some Mexican stamps. stamps. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put you some. Mexican vignettes. Yes. And so how did that come about? 
Well, he um, he just wanted us to, to sort of be true to, to ourselves and write something meaningful. And so I wrote a piece that, you know, reflected my my cultural background. And I it was just meant to be a homework for a simple class. But um, he believed That was meant in to it. be homework for class. Yes. The Estampas Mexicanas. Yes. And then that blows my mind. He believed in it. He showed it to a conductor who believed in it. They did a reading at MIT. Uh, one of my professors, a little bit as a joke after the, 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 the reading, basically said, hey, you should send it to orchestras and see if they play it, which is not what happens normally. I just, yeah, is that, you just, <laughs> oh, just send it out to the orchestras. <laughs> Put this in the mail. I was so <laughs> innocent and, and like, you know, naive at the time. I just, I just did. I sent it. That's the way to do it. And then I get a response from this man, Leonid Green, who was a big friend and collaborator of Leonard Bernstein and conductor of the Moscow Symphony and the San Jose Symphony. Wow, Moscow Symphony is is very famous. Oh, my God. And he premiered it in front of 25,000 people at an outdoor concert in San Jose, California, and my life changed that moment. When was that? Um, that was 1996. Did you know? Did you? Were you there? Yes. Uh, were you? I would have been bawling. I feel like bawling my eyes out right now. Were you just like overcome with emotion? Oh, absolutely. Because it's yeah. like it, it's your. Uh, I I go towards brain, but it, com- composing music isn't just uh, from your brain synapses. No. It comes from your soul. It comes from the soul, and it it's like the sound of your soul, really. And I don't. I don't even know where else it comes from, but it comes charged with a lot of uh, you know wonderful experiences to connect to people in ways that you don't expect right and, and especially so. for me mm-hmm. um, I love symphony it's I love classical music when I'm traveling it's the one thing I listen uh-huh. to that sort of calms me down mm-hmm. and I guess I've been you know I'm an American chick so I'm used to listening to like quote-unquote traditional mm-hmm. you know uh, compositions the Beethoven's uh-huh. the Bach's the Mozart's all of those and, and your music I feel uh, I listen to it, it kind of transcends it it breaks rules well uh, so yes in uh, yes and no yes yes and no because yeah there are <laughs> technical things yeah it, I just love that that I can mm-hmm. I feel like I can feel your culture through your thank music you. thank you very much and that's powerful well that is um, that is the thing that I have found to be inspirational about uh, writing music without the pressure of being a real composer, so to right, speak. Right, right. Um, I don't have to play by the, the the rules of you know academia or something. You know, like a lot of people feel the pressure to write avant-garde music and to be like very original in every composition in, in terms of techniques and sounds and all of that. And I value that and I respect that tremendously. But it's just not something that resonates with me. Right. Um, and so I prefer to 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 bring a little bit of a um, you know my, the the freshness in my music comes more from connecting with the the Latin American elements yes. than connecting with like new exploratory avant-garde. It's sounds. like bringing your your roots. You can mm-hmm. he, like mm-hmm. he, that's what it is. You can hear your roots in your music. And the thing is also when I started, you know, it wasn't still as fashionable as it is right now to do world music in the concert hall. Right. So I was very lucky to be in that particular period of time where orchestras were starting to get interested in world music and I think that's what propelled uh, you know my music into so many performances that otherwise probably wouldn't have happened I mean it's very simple music but it was at the right place at the right time and and when you say that are you Mm -hmm. saying like they deviate away from playing the pieces that people uh, more popular like that are just 
like what I said, like the stuff that I've been exposed to? Um, yeah, you're right. And and it's not, not just popular, but it's the, the, the repertoire that people expect from an yes, orchestra, right? The, right. So the, the dead European composers. Exactly. <laughs> right. Because you don't really, the Latin influence and having that mm -hmm. Mexican influence, it's unique. And it's so you, unique. Yeah, and when you get it, you get it via American composers, like wonderful people like Leonard Bernstein or Aaron Copland, who wrote about Latin America. But um, these days now, especially with conductors like Gustavo Dudamel and other people who are, you know, having an impact in America, mm -hmm. you're starting to hear more of the composers from Latin America who were active at the same time as Stravinsky and as Copland and Bernstein right. and all these writing from their tradition and like bringing a whole new universe of sounds to yes. the symphony. And it's been, and, and it, yeah. it's like, it's, it was always there. Yes. It was just, you know, trying to get through the cracks of all the other sound <laughs> that people were used to listening to. And I think that's why when I listen to your music, I'm like, this is a, a totally different, uh, it, it almost, I can feel it opening the catacombs in my brain. <laughs> My goodness. Well, that's, that's <laughs> what music does. You know, for me, mm -hmm. uh, music is a huge part of my life because traveling, I have this yeah. sort of solitary existence and mm -hmm. music becomes a friend. Yes. You know, it becomes a calming agent in your life and wow. it connects you to memories and sure. it connects you to people, mm -hmm. to culture. Uh, music is a very powerful thing and, and it oh, yeah. speaks volumes to all sorts of people around the world. What and that's, are some of your favorite pieces? Um, I see. I don't even know. I, I can't <laughs> even name them, but uh -huh. I just... Um, if I even try to like do the sound of what it is. I remember I was I was standing in a subway when I was living in Brooklyn. Yeah. And this piece came to my mind and mm -hmm. I, I, in this moment it I can't even recreate it. Mm -hmm. Uh it's going to be so traditional you're going to be like oh my god this is so know, bad. This is um, perfectly fine. No, I can't even I can't even think of it but he, the point is okay. That it I start you. it connect. I started to make the sound with my voice, mm -hmm. and I realized that I, I was, doing the whole song from mm -hmm. humming, and, and it was so subconscious to me. But it was I, I was in a moment where I was stressed out because I was late mm -hmm. for something, and this song just came out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And when I was done, I was like, I, I don't even know the last time I heard that song, mm -hmm. and it's classical. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not here rapping Jay Z lyrics. I'm here <laughs> calming myself with uh, mm -hmm. melodic music. I, yeah. I wish I could remember what it was. I feel so embarrassed. I don't, don't know the worry. damn name. It was Estampas Mexicanas. Of course, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, for, okay, for you, yes. what are, like, so me being a comedian, when I go out to comedy shows, uh -huh. I can't help but to dissect other people's work. Uh -huh. it, it's just because yes. I live comedy, you know, sure. it, and music is very similar in that mm -hmm. you think about it a lot. Yeah. You know, it, you see moments and you can see, maybe for you, for me, I see the comedy in life and I'm sure uh -huh. music yeah. is similar. I can't turn that off. So when I see stand-up, I'm always dissecting, and I would do this differently. Da, uh -huh. da, da. Is, is that the same for you? Yes, and I am so interested to, <laughs> to, to hear your perspective because, uh, you know, you're, you're so right. You you look at it a little bit differently. You, you can still enjoy it, you of course. You can enjoy it. But you're looking at the craft. You're looking at the craft. And the execution, right? Like, so what were they trying to do, and did they execute it properly? Right. And so the same thing when I go to a concert, and that's why... I'm a little picky when I go to concerts right. and either <laughs> I go to concerts that are you know so exquisite and extraordinary and sublime where I can forget the craft and just focus on the the musical the experience mm -hmm. or concerts with uh, like youth orchestras or somewhere where the, there's so much soul and you know that these people care so deeply because they have been you know working really hard on mm -hmm. this music that means a lot to them and they will remember the rest of their lives that even if the sounds are not as perfect as a professional symphony 
it's powerful. Yeah. And so those are the two things that I love, uh, you know, in, in a concert. And but yes, under normal circumstances, <laughs> I'm listening. What's the structure of the, this piece? You know, how is the composer using this instrument, or why didn't he use this other instrument, or why did the conductor, uh, you know, change the, the the arrangement for the the instruments here? It's it's always something, and it's it's a great thing because then you always learn. But it's always also like uh, a little bit of a job, right? It is a, ch- it is a job. It's interesting, yeah. especially because it's hard to shut it off. Yes. Do you ever sh- do you ever like? What do you do for downtime when you yeah. want to step away from music? Mm-hmm. What do you do? What's your go-to? Kardashians. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. Please, please edit this out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I do no. too. No, I'm mind numbing. No, 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 no. I, <laughs> no. I, oh God. That was no. great. You're funny. <laughs> okay. No, Good timing. I, I, I love uh, reading. Reading has been a passion of mine since I was really, really young. It's um, a good escape. You yeah, said David Sedaris is one of your. Yeah, I, I love enjoy. comedy, um, but my main love is uh, you know history and also historical fiction. And when I was Interesting. growing up, yeah, <laughs> historical fiction. Oh yes. Wow. Um, I have become also a very big fan of this author, Matthew Pearl, who's a Cambridge-based uh, author. He's fantastic. I highly recommend him. But in general, uh, I try to read, I don't know, between 50 and 70 uh, books every year. Um, Jeez. I just love it. It's just very relaxing. It's, yeah. uh, it's very nur- uh, you know, nurturing to my soul. And it's good for your brain. It's better yeah. than watching TV. You and my mom are the same. She reads like, <laughs> she reads like three books a month. She's Wonderful. insane. Yeah. And she sends me, here, hon, read this. Th- mm-hmm. Here, she sends me like all these books. Mm-hmm. She mails me books. <laughs> there you go. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> it is kind of nice, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So even when you're you're shutting your brain off, you're still stimulating it. Well, in a sense. I, again, there's different levels, right? I'm not necessarily trying to learn every single right. thing in the book. But it's just nice to, to have. I mean, it's very comforting for me because during my formative years, again, it was such a escape. It was my safe zone basically where I could go and just you know um, relax in this either like you know fictional worlds or in these historical periods or in this information that was neutral and benevolent and just there. Mm Non-judgmental. And it's just you know uh, something that I really really deeply enjoy so. I think music in arts in general but Mm -hmm. specifically music for me, I think is so important in the education system, mm-hmm. especially in America because yeah. of what our country stands for and mm-hmm. the accessibility to, to tons of cultures. Yeah. So many cultures exist here. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but just knowing that there's so many schools that are cutting music education. Yeah, that is pretty tragic. Yeah, it's really tragic. Yeah. You look at countries like uh, Venezuela who have produced some of the most extraordinary musicians and how even, I mean, right now it's a different story, but like how... Uh, yeah, Venezuela's you know, a, a going few, through some stuff. <laughs> I, I have some very dear friends who tell me, you know, of the situations that they're going through right now and it's very, it's very It's very challenging. dire, yeah. But uh, in the past... 20, 30 years, you know, Venezuela distinguished itself for producing some extraordinary, you know, musicians. Some of the best youth orchestras in the world were I didn't in Venezuela. Know that. Yeah, they have this thing called El Sistema, which is a very uh, famous sort of like music uh, system for teaching kids. And in any case, I mean, I don't, I, I'm speaking, uh, you know, beyond what I know. But what I do know is that, you know, all the people that I have encountered who, who came out of there and who are professional musicians like my friend Orlando Sela are super talented and, and have uh, basically this incredible sensi- sensibility. And so when I, I hear about, you know, the, the U.S., who's a, a richer country that has a well, you yeah. know, more stable situation, <laughs> of course, right? And you wonder, like, you know, 
couldn't couldn't we prioritize things a little bit different so that you know the children can have exposure to music and it's not just for nourishing the soul and something no. you know like subjective like that music allows you to to um, to train your brain uh, for functions that come up uh, in other areas of life it permeates yeah. through all of your life experiences music allows you to 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 uh, learn mathematics better to learn languages better to do multitasking better i mean just think of for example somebody who plays the piano as a kid and has to be able to read two different uh, you know uh, lines of music at the same time yeah. and each of one uh, written in a different clef and so they have to be doing it at the same time translation and and multi-processing in and at reading least two ahead, channels and anticipating and if they're in an orchestra you know being aware of what the other musicians are doing and the conductor and so all of this opens up your brain to to and trains it to to deal with processes that are going to be highly useful in other you know in other situations in life and so in my opinion languages and music are two of the the greater gifts that parents can give to their children i agree and so it would be nice if uh, you know the the could prioritize system. That. yeah exactly because it's sad You're to so see right. kids, the one thing um that is interesting is if if kids are just exposed to something you know mm -hmm. the children their their potential is limitless yeah and every child uh, when exposed to multiple things, will be able to find a pathway for themselves. But it, they require being exposed to multiple things in order to find mm -hmm. that pathway. And music yeah. can open up just multi-dimensional opportunities for them. I mean, it's fun, right? Because there's, you know, of course, there's other educational opportunities that can also expand your mind. But usually, you know, in music, it's something that can bring so much joy and that, you know, it, you can do it with your friends in a choir, in an orchestra or something. So it's, it's a natural. It is. And, yeah. it, you know, it, you made me think of just inner city kids and kids mm -hmm. who don't have a lot of opportunities and they're born into these families who are poor and poverty stricken and you know exposed to drugs and gang violence and gun violence and it, music is a tool to show children that there are other avenues for mm -hmm. existing and, and exposing them to a healthier life and mm -hmm. I feel like I, I, I just wish that that was more available to all children. I agree. Don't you yeah, agree? Absolutely. Okay, yes. I'm going to ask you some questions. Okay. We've, been, we've been covering sure. so many interesting <laughs> things. I'm going to cover some more things okay. that I want to know about you. Okay. Are you nervous? Your worry? face just yeah. turned red. No, they're, they're cute things. Okay. People, we're, we're sitting in the West in here, and there was like a horse convention. What was it? <laughs> Did you see? I, I think it was an auction or something, and there was this very <laughs> interesting painting <laughs> about a horse all like uh, dressed in potentially either Mexican or some sort of parade <laughs> attire was very uh, inspiring. Very inspiring. I'm like, yeah, where right. is this horse? I want to bring him on stage with me <laughs> there tonight. <you> go. <laughs> um, they're literally closing up tables around us, but we're going to get through this. Okay. okay. Who is your celebrity crush? Mine is John Stamos. Do you know John Stamos? Yes. From yes. Full House? Could, could I have a, a music crush? You, of course. Okay. Who's your music crush? Do you want me to tell you mine to kick it sure, off? please. Vanilla Ice. Really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I just I just thought of like somebody who's not equated to music at all. Uh -huh. um, I'm gonna say David Bowie. Recently okay. passed. Uh -huh. A big big crush on him when I was a kid. Yeah. What's What's your favorite song? I love the song he did in Labyrinth. Uh -huh. Babe with the power. What babe? That babe with the power. Who do you do? You know that song? <laughs> no. It's It's a It's a movie from like the '80s, uh -huh. and it's a Jim Henson movie, and it's mm. just like this movie that is just magical with all these puppets and beautiful mm. music, and it was just great as a kid to watch that and to experience mm. a different world 
with creatures in it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and he was in tight pants. That was my favorite part. Like David Bowie in these spandex pants and face makeup. I'm like, who is this man? <laughs> what is that bulge in his pant area? Oh As a child, not knowing what the bulge was, I was so intrigued. Like, I want to make friends with that bulge. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I see, okay. I would imagine your music in, it crush is so much different than mine. Just a little bit, <laughs> yes. <laughs> mm, I'm, I'm wondering like, if, if I even say it, because then... like You I, have to say it, Jose. Okay. Um, so it's, it's a, more of a platonic crush on the artistry of this wonderful person. Her name is Dawn Upshaw, and she's a soprano in, in the New England area. Um, and I, or, I'm sorry, or potentially in New York. I... I in any case, I fell in love with some of her earlier recordings, and she has a beautiful voice, but also this quality that can make any uh, song, no matter how simple, how complex, just speak to you at an emotional level. And I mean, obviously, she's you know incredibly, um, incredibly aware of all the complexities and, and a very intelligent performer. But the fact that you know you can basically just feel these pieces and again no matter how complex they are you can just you know uh, join her for this beautiful uh, you know ride of emotion yeah. and of color and imagination um it it really changed the way that i uh, listened to music early from on. her singing yeah from her wow. singing she's just you know really one of these artists that has a tremendous impact what's her name again dawn upshaw dawn upshaw yeah i'll have to make sure everybody looks her up yeah. dawn upshaw okay another question for you sure guilty pleasure tv what do you watch anything that's just mind no like again the kardashians oh God, no. would be in that category yeah. well, anything that's terrible that you're just like put on i don't think that it's you know i have a, a a guilty pleasure of something that is terrible. I have a guilty pleasure of something that is wonderful. I I love this this show Mozart in the Jungle. Oh yeah, we were just talking about yeah. that today. And there's I, a, there's billboards I, of it all over LA. Yeah, I I mean I know that a lot of people in the classical music scene are like a little upset that you know it it's you know I don't know it's dram over dramatizing the the whole thing. But I think it's wonderful that it's also bringing the world of classical music yep. to a broader audience. The, the actors are just super. I mean, yeah, that, how that, can you not amazing. love Gael and, and Bernadette Peters and yep. all these incredible people? And uh, it's just a lot of fun. So I enjoy that very much. It is. It's good to bring because yeah. we've we've been in this generation for the past mm -hmm. 10, 15 years where television mm -hmm. has uh, gone from information to uh -huh. just just doo doo. It's just doo doo. Television is just crap for the most part so it's kind of nice to have something that is mm -hmm. educational and opening you know horizons yes. to people who normally probably wouldn't even be uh in the know of that sort mm -hmm. of music anyways in that scene yeah absolutely and also i think it also humanizes it too because even if it's over dramatized or whatever um you know classical musicians are people and uh, you know normally you see them in very sterile environments in like right. this you know amazing halls and like you know all looking very elegant and very proper very stoic and so it's nice to to see them as human beings with emotions and and, and flaws yeah and absolutely. to know that all of that goes into these beautifully orchestrated pieces yes to know that that there's a a human aspect behind that mm -hmm. that some people uh who no, don't necessarily have a musical background it mm -hmm. may seem hard to understand but mm -hmm. When you are there, I've gone to many symphonies. I love mm -hmm. them. Um, it it it, trans it transforms you. It mm -hmm. takes you to a d different place. Mm -hmm. Especially because of all the music that we have today. I feel like mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it is 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 very linear. 
and th- there aren't yeah. a lot of you know dynamic aspects to so much of the popular music. Mm-hmm. So I think classical kind of balances out that you know the. Mm-hmm. Iggy Azaleas of the world. <laughs> if we're going to call that music. I'm not hating. I'm just saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I love how you talk about music, by the <laughs> way. You do? You're wonderful. Yes. I just, it, you know, it's a, music is, is food for your soul, yep. I think. Yes. Um, okay. So this will be the, the, the last thing I'll ask of you. Sure. Um, being a gentleman from Chihuahua, Mexico. Oh, God. Coming from a father from an agricultural background. Yeah. Six different families, you said? Yeah. And being... Uh, a one of how many kids? Uh, a lot of them. A bunch of kids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> more than 15. More. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> Can your next composition be titled More Than 15? <laughs> and it's just about all of your siblings. That's amazing. <laughs> what What do you want to say to young musicians, composers, Latinos, Latinas, anybody mm-hmm. who comes from a place where maybe they don't have access to um, the sort of tools that they need to achieve what they want to achieve. Now, maybe not, not that they don't have access. Maybe they don't know how to get to those things that can take them to the next level in their life. What sort of thing do you want to say to these kids? Oh, that wow, that's a big question. Like, it there's is. so many ways in which it can go, right? What um, would you say to yourself as a child, not knowing where your path was going to go? Maybe it'd be easier that way. Knock in as many doors as you can because you never know which one is the one that is going to open and which one is the one that is going to take you through an experience you never even imagined. Uh, never give up. Even if something happens that you know you see as a negative now, most likely you will be able to use it later in your life as a source of inspiration or as a way to you know, reinvent yourself in a way that will be potentially more meaningful. So yeah, just don't give up. Try everything you can. Talk to ma- as many people as you can. Because again, inspiration comes from the places where you least expect it. And sometimes, um, you know, it's, all it takes is having a conversation with, a, uh, with somebody to realize a whole new set of opportunities that you had overlooked or that you hadn't even considered. Um, yeah, and also uh, the, the main thing I would say is be persistent because music is like many other things, as you know, with yes, comedy. very it, difficult. It, it takes a lot of work, right? It, the more um, effortless it seems on stage the more work went behind. That's, that's a beautiful way to put it's it. It's true. So, I mean, you, you have to practice, 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 and it's the only way that you're going to be able to, you know, get comfortable enough with things so that they flow from your heart or from a more natural place so that you can then, you know, shape them in the way that you want. Yeah. So just because it seems hard right now when you're, like, starting or you're practicing or whatever, you know, it's... Uh, it do, it's not going to necessarily be like that all 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 the time. No, you know, it will continue to require discipline, but the rewards will come definitely. That's and beautiful. <laughs> I think that's lovely. Okay. Well, it's been so nice to talk to you. Likewise, thank you so much. I feel like for I've known you for for lifetimes. <laughs> Likewise, thank you so much. You made me feel very comfortable. Oh, thank you. I appreciate. Thank it. you. I appreciate that. Can I just do one little plug? Of here? course, do any plugs you okay, want. Tell the well. people. So if, uh, if you're interested in listening to any of this type of music that we've been discussing here, um, go to YouTube and just um, type Nuestra Musica Latina, which means our Latin music. You I can just had an orgasm Google. when you said that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Nuestra Musica Latina. And right now I have uh, you know, some music, uh, some of my own compositions, but I intend to also feature compositions from other Latin American composers. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, 
it's a, a whole world of wonderful compositions that I think people need to be exposed to and that uh, you know I, I'm hoping to, to feature also some of the, the great artists that are even in, in here in the, the, the New England area performing that type of music. I think that's so, amazing. Okay. That's thank great. Thank you so much. I love you, Jose. Okay, likewise. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Jose's amazing. A little bit different of an interview, you know? Um, comedians are so different to interview, and I wanted to have um, some alternative. And I came about Jose from somebody I know in my life, and I thought he sounded so interesting and intelligent, and he proved to be. So please check him out. I do listen to classical music when I travel. It is one of the things that calms me down. I listen to it at night when I can't fall asleep and I'm high as well. So um, expand your brains. Expand your brains because all music influences all music. Um, again, I am at Good Nights in Raleigh, North Carolina, March 31st through April 2nd. April 8th through the 10th, I'm at the Cincinnati Funny Bone in Ohio. And April 21st through the 24th, I'm at Comedy Off-Broadway in Lexington, Kentucky. JessieMay.com for tickets. And if you... I, I will give away tickets to any show you want to see if you go to JessieMay.com. I'm giving tickets away to people who can give me a really good drag queen name. I want a drag queen name. So do that. I will announce the winner on next week's podcast. I give a lot of tickets away because I like you guys to come out. I want my fans to come out. Send me my drag queen name. You can do it on Twitter at Jesse May Peluso. Um, you can do it at sharp tongue podcast at gmail.com and I'll do a post on Instagram as well. So send me what my drag queen name should be. I want to know. I want to know what love is. Okay, I'm going to answer some questions, and then we're going to part ways. That's how it goes. Um, Don Run, Run Blade, Rundle, Rundblade, what the fuck? Don, I know you, you message uh, me a lot, so let's see what you said here. Will you ever come to Jonesboro, Arkansas to do some shows? I believe you're one of the best comedians, and I would love to see you perform and possibly meet you. Do you ever chat with your friends, your fans on Facebook? Sounds like you want to send me a dick pic, Don. Is that what's happening? I uh, I do chat with my friends on Facebook, and I don't know if I'm going to be in Arkansas. Stay stay tuned. We'll find out. Um, Michael Anton do, do we are, Doron. Am I just too high on the Swede that I can't read? Michael Anton Doron. Dorian, Dwaron, Dwaron, maybe? I know you're a comedian, but that doesn't mean you're just a goofball. Comedians are very good observers of the world around them. With that said, when you're not out on tour, do you feel like you are able to connect with people from all parts of this country or are there some areas you're feeling where you feeling like crawling off stage? That's a pretty good question. You know, you do realize that the intellect of a group of people is directly related to their environment and where they live. Geography and location plays an enormous part in the intellectual development of a society specific to a certain area. So it's interesting to see what references work where around this country. And you realize that this country is built and made up of many, many countries. Uh, we're kind of like Europe, I feel. So yeah, there are places where I'm like, these people just don't get me. And then there are places where I'm like, these people get me 100%. So that's a good question. And I appreciate that. Matt Simon says, if a dude goes streaking at a sporting event on TV, wouldn't it be a good idea for him to pop a Viagra? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what, Simon? Matt Simon, that's a good point. Papa V. You should. Papa Viagra. 100%. Because in this world with social media, that's going to be all over the news the next day. So you don't want to go out there with a the, with the sloppy Johnson. You don't want to go out there with your twig and berries looking like a dead baby bird. You got to beef it up. You got to put a Viagra in it and get that dick to marrying size. You know what I mean? Like you want to you want to get that dick married. So the only way to do that is to sort of put it its best foot forward. <laughs> put your best dick forward. Jason A. Newland says, Columbus, Ohio needs you. We're yearning for you. Please come back. Oh, man, I'm going to be in Cincinnati, Ohio at the end of March. So if that's close enough for you, come see me. Message me, Jason, sharptonguepodcast at gmail.com, and I will get you some tickets if you want to come. Aaron Durbin, what, which horror movie would you like to be killed off on? That's such a damn good question, Aaron. You know, I've thought about this. I would have to say like a, a Sasquatch or some sort of attack where there's like a big hairy beast. That sounds more like a porno, you know, just whatever comes up first. <laughs> Ansley Emma asks, if you still lived in Boston, which bar would be, you be, would you be hanging out at or in? I can't even read. Ansley Emma says, if you still lived in Boston, which bar would you be hanging out in? Beantown pub, boo. Beantown pub. Tell Patrick I said, what's up? Jason Elder, will you be my next ex-wife? Uh, no, because that would involve me having to lose half of my worth. And honestly, Jason, I'd have to do a background check first because you have a sports logo as your profile pick, and that just makes me think of date rape. So I'll have to think about it. Tom T, besides being awesome, which beer goes great with everything? Why is beer great with everything? Am I this high or are you guys just fucking assholes? <laughs> Besides being awesome, why is beer great with everything? Um, Because it is. Because air is necessary. Ne- oh my God. <laughs> because air is necessary for breathing. That's why beer goes great with everything. Tom T. BJ Byrne. Why haven't I heard you on Sam Roberts' show lately? Well, BJ, I live in LA. Sam records in New York. So... He has me on every time he can. He always asks when I go to New York. I look forward to having him on my podcast as well. So we'll make it work. Jared Barada. Did Girl Code get canceled because it's not been on in almost a year? Huh. Well, I haven't been on Girl Code in two seasons. So I don't know, Jared. I'll have to check and see. But you can Google it. That's a great thing about Google. Um, Elena Tamayo. What do you think of Donald Trump? I think Donald Trump is a result of this country uh, crumbling into archaic pieces i also think that the presidential election has turned into a fucking circus and it doesn't matter who gets elected because there's still a bunch of congress house of senate and other people that he has to go through and that any or she has to go through to get things done so it doesn't fucking matter look at the struggle obama had and whether republicans hated him or democrats thought they didn't provide for them there's always going to be people who aren't satisfied but you got to look at the struggle that that they face when they get into office and in what they bring into office so I don't know what I think of Donald Trump. I think he's a very smart businessman, and I think he's used the media to his advantage to to win the Republicans, to sort of sway some Democrats that are more to the right, and we'll see what's going to happen. It's terrifying, but this is the world we live in. Uh, we're in a social media world, and presidents are tweeting, so we have to just really 
sip the tea that we made because we made this tea. We've been brewing this tea for a while. Shamika Fruit Loops Taylor, Fruity Loops Taylor. Hey girl. Oh my God. I love the name. How do you deal with all the the monotony? Is that, did I say that right? What's your favorite strand of weed? (laughs) Girl, your second question answered the first one. How do I deal with all the monotony? Wade, what's my favorite strand of weed? Whichever one I've got. Um, I like sativa. Is that how you say it? That's the stuff I have now. It feels pretty good. I like it. I like it a lot. But I really like all weed. It just, it makes me feel good. And I chill. Neon Farley. How did you like Salt Lake City, Utah? It's my home. Just wondering. Was I ever in Salt Lake City, Utah? Jesus, I don't know, Neon Farley. I'll have to get back to you on that and look through my diary and see if I ever made it. Marty Caproni asks, (laughs) what kind of person... If you guys don't know Marty Caproni, he's one of my best friends. He opens for me a lot. I've known him forever, and he's just the perfect person to uh, ask a question right now. What kind of person? This is his question. What kind of person would call one of their best buddies a short-spined shepherd? (laughs) I don't know if I spoke about this. I don't know if I told you guys about the short-spined shepherd, but... Marty and I, when we, we did Florida, I, uh, <laughs> someone asked me, this girl and I were talking at one of the bars and we were talking about dogs and she's like, oh my God, we we're talking about like dogs who have physical problems. And she's, she was like, have you ever heard of a short spine shepherd? And I was like, what the fuck? That's an alliteration, first of all. And no, I haven't. It's a real type of dog. It's basically a shepherd with a short spine. And she pulled up the picture <laughs> and it just looks like the Danny DeVito of shepherds. And so I immediately thought of Marty because it, it kind of reminded me of Marty. <laughs> it's just like he's got such a, like a short neck and this long torso and like these legs. And it just, <laughs> he looks like a short spine shepherd. <laughs> In my defense, Marty, I've always been told that I've got like llama knees. So I'm the shape of you know, a llama deer and you're the shape of a short spine shepherd. Okay. We're two peas in a pod. Just deal with it. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm going to answer more of your questions next week. You guys are amazing. Please tell your friends to subscribe. Go to jessiemay.com to see when I'm going to be near you. Also, please send me your drag queen names to sharp tongue podcast at gmail.com. And I'm going to give away tickets for that. Check out Jose. Um, say a prayer for Gary Shandling, RIP, check out his work, and take care of yourselves. Love each other. The man is named Mr. Gary Shandling. Boy, what a terrific crowd. Thank you very much. You're very nice. I have a lot of difficulty dealing with microphones now and PA systems and intercoms, so I've got to tell you what happened to me Wednesday night, and this is, uh, this is absolutely true now. I went into a jack-in-the-box. Uh, it was about midnight on Wednesday night, and there was just myself and the one girl who works behind the counter. You know, the place was totally empty, right? And I went in, and I said, I'd like one bonus, Jack. And she leaned over into the little microphone that was there and said, One bonus, Jack. And then she walked back to the kitchen to make it. <laughs> then I was in UCLA Hospital um, 
not too long ago, and there's a woman at UCLA Hospital who pages doctors over the hospital intercom, and I don't know how this lady does it. All day long, she's going, Dr. Jurgens, Dr. Mark Jurgens. Dr. McAvoy, Dr. John McAvoy. I started to realize you could put any words in that, you know, and it would still sound exactly the same, right? Dr. Pudding, Dr. Chocolate Pudding. <laughs> Diseases were great. Dr. Lepsy, Dr. Epilepsy. <laughs> I started to think, what is this woman like in real life, right? She does this all day long. What have you got her home? Got her in bed, what would she say? Let's make love. Let's make violent love. <laughs> Imagine getting romantic with the stewardess. Welcome to bed. Please extinguish all cigarettes. Please note the back door will remain closed at all times. Do not exit until we have come to a complete stop. Tell you what really bugs me. You know when you go into a restaurant and there's like a 10 or 15 minute wait and they make you write your name down and then they say, go have a drink in the bar and we'll call your name, you know, right? So you go in the bar and you're sitting there, you're having a drink and you hear, stop, party of toast, stop. Yes, honey, um, <laughs> it would be so much easier if they would just describe the people, you know, then we'd know who they're talking about. The couple with the ugly children, your table's ready. <laughs> Trust me, I trust me, I trust me, I